1: And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Good morning,
0: I'm Carolyn Breedlove and this is my
2: husband, Jim Breedlove we're incidentally the parents of christian burnett who most of you know this week as we explore the first commandment in our series on the ten commandments is the genesis creation account we'll be reading from genesis 1:1 through
0: 2:4. in the beginning when god created the heavens and the earth the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from god swept over the face of the waters then god said let there be light and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day.
2: God said, I could be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening.
0: And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation plants, yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind, bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day.
2: And God Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years.
0: and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and everything, every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm. And every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day.
2: And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air
0: I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day.
2: The heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth within they were, of the earth when they were created. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
1: So about 15 years ago, the Ten Commandments became this major topic of discussion in the political sphere, in the most public battleground that there is, the Supreme Court. In in one case, the Ten Commandments had been put on display next to eight other classic legal documents at this courthouse in in these two Kentucky counties, and in a 5-4 decision the Supreme Court ruled that the display violated the First Amendment's ban on an establishment of religion and said that it had to be removed. Yet on that same day, that very same court ruled on on a similar case in Texas, again, a five to four vote, but this time to permit this six-foot-high statue showing the Ten Commandments on the grounds of the Texas state capitol two cases, two very different outcomes, right? One very contentious debate that we know has been at the heart of American discourse on the First Amendment since the Founding Fathers. What what is especially troubling though about this debate is how little attention both sides ever pay towards the Ten Commandments' actual contents they're assumed to be familiar to everyone. But what did these commandments even mean? What role were these principles originally meant to play, both in religious faith and in public law? And why these 10, why? What do they have to do with one another? How does this specific religious symbol differ from other symbols? Like the crucifix or the Star of David or the Crescent. Questions like these never interest the court. But for the sake of this series, may they interest us. And so what is this text? What is it? D- despite what you might previously know, and the, the Ten Commandments heavy association with religion, despite the fact that they are they originally appear within a religious context and are, are treated as sacred texts by many religious people. The Ten Commandments are actually not a religious text at all. They, they might serve to deepen and enrich our faith. We, but we, we really don't need faith to think about them, do we? Or to understand them or to accept their teachings as true. They're not some myst- mystical text that explores the mysteries, describing things that we can't comprehend with our minds without first taking that step of belief. And and, and they're certainly not a, a work of theology that tells us who or what God is. And, and they're not an expression of love or these, this pining after divine things like the Psalms or other poetries of the Bible. And and they're certainly not a prayer. And they're not to be used in the context of ritual worship. They're not liturgy. They're none of these things. No, the Ten Commandments are are really, they're really just a set of extremely concise statements about the best way to build a good society. And when we find them in the Bible, they are this God-given constitutional core for the nation of Israel, a, a nation that is to become an example for all of humankind. And so if the Ten Commandments are supposed to be this blueprint for society, then each commandment should, should be read with this in mind and with the assumption that there is so much more behind each command than the words themselves convey. When we read something like, you shall not make for yourself a carved idol, or you should not covet your neighbor's house, we are to read them, not as some specific technical prohibitions, but as these expansive imaginative ideas for a community. Each commandment should be a paradigm for something bigger than itself, each one filling our hearts and our heads and our hands with something that can renew our modern life and send us into living God's moral vision for all the world. Last week, I, I took an overall look at what the Ten Commandments as a whole can teach us as as a community, what they can teach us, that at their holistic core, they are God's way of, of dismantling that anxiety in all of us that there is never enough. And now today, we begin our journey through these commands by zooming in now on one commandment. The first commandment. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt from the house of slaves. You are to have no other gods before me. We can only imagine that the children of Israel on Mount Sinai were filled with so many questions. As we might have after hearing the first command, right? Who is this God who addresses us in in the first person? What does it mean for this God to be our God? Why is this God's role in the Exodus from Egypt so important that it's the main thing worth noting about this God in the very first command? Why? And why, why does this God seem threatened by the prospect of other gods, power-hungry almost, to be the only one. Why? I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt from the house of slaves. You are to have no other gods before me. We will move on to the other nine commands, but it is worthy of noting today that this, the first commandment, is the only one that gives us a description of God. Did you notice that? And any description of God for us as humans, made in the image of God, is really just an ideal, a guide for us to help us imitate this God. If we are to pattern our lives after this God, We have to know who this God is, right? And so, as I said earlier, the Ten Commandments are are not a work of theology in and of themselves. They alone do not tell us who God is. But, But many other stories in Scripture do. Which brings us to our Scripture today, at the very beginning. Did you hear it as as Carolyn and Jim maneuvered us through the days of creation? What if we read the creation story with this feeling that it is not just a story, but an introduction to who this God of the first commandment is, that everything we need to know about this God is encapsulated in this story. Think about it. It's in this story that we first encounter the relationship between God and the universe. That is between the one we are supposed to emulate, whose image we are supposed to live into, and and the real world we are supposed to apply it and live it in. So think for a second about the, the, the first and third days of creation. Did you hear it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was this unformed darkness. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and and separated the light from the darkness and called the light day. And God gathered the waters below the heavens into one place, which revealed the dry places. And God called the dry places land and the waters sea. And God filled the land with plants and fruit. And God saw that it was good. There are two things that become clear about God here. That first, God creates. God effortlessly creates, introducing the basic elements of life and acting to change things according to God's design and God's imagination. First, God creates and then second, God judges. God begins to draw conclusions about the value of what has been created. And God's judgment is that it is good, all of it. And so there it is at the very beginning, that at the heart of who God is, is the combination of creation and judgment. God creates the universe, but God doesn't just stop there. Instead, God continues to intervene in the world and change it according to God's design and according to God's will at the Tower of Babel and in, in Sodom and Gomorrah and in Egypt under Pharaoh and every word that God utters of warning, of teaching, of redemption, or, or even punishment is another act of creation. God, the, the inventor recreating the universe every single day, God changes things. And, and, and when we, who are, are made in the image of God, when we change things, we recreate the universe just as God does. And so first, God creates. <laughs> but as we learn in our text today, God always follows creation up with judgment. To judge is to evaluate reality in light Of an ideal to assess what is in in light of what ought to be and so in our story today when God judges the universe and says that it is good holy good God is saying that it could have been otherwise it could have it could have not been good It, it could have been otherwise that there is always a better and a worse and it could have not been good but it was good And just as God invites us in to recreate the world around us to intervene in what is and live and act for change, God also affirms our our human obligation to judge the world, to judge the world around us in light of the ideal of which it frequently falls short. God inviting us to make sure that our creative interventions in the world can actually be called good, filled with moral passion for what the community ought to be and not just what it is. As one of the ancient rabbis puts it, when any judge judges truthfully for a moment, it is as though... He were a partner to the Holy One in the creation of the universe. So at the heart of who God is and at the heart of God's call to us is this combination of creation and judgment. And and when creation and judgment combine, we begin to understand what the first commandment is really about. God says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Creativity without judgment is change and power just for its own sake. At its best, it can lead to indifference or just addiction to the thrill of, of willing something to be. At its worst, it can lead to methodical evil, like a sorcerer in possession of a, of a magic lamp. And judgment without creation, judgment without creativity, is just static and passive and incapable of, of combating any real evil at all. But when the two combine, when, when creation and judgment combine, they yield something that sets the God of the Hebrew Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, the God of Jesus and from the line of David that sets this God apart from all other gods and gives an ideal for us to emulate, capable of inspiring and restoring the entire world. And that ideal is redemption. When creation and judgment combine, they yield redemption. Redemption is is the God of the first commandment. That's who God is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Have no other gods before me. The Exodus from Egypt is is the central story of redemption, right? In the Hebrew Bible, It, it takes up the better part of five books. Exodus through Joshua. And when God is given the first opportunity, when God is given the first opportunity to describe God's self to us in the first commandment, God chooses this story, the greatest story of redemption. This story accounted every year at the Passover table of God's intervention to save Israel from slavery and to bring them to freedom. It's this opportunity after opportunity for miraculous salvation. That's, that's God, God creating and judging, God our Redeemer. And when we accept this redemption as the ideal for human behavior, as the ideal for our communities and for our world, We make this God, our God. The first commandment teaches us that that we too are called to be redeemers. Deep inside each one of us is, is the capacity for creation and for judgment, the ability to understand the world and to imagine it better and to act for its improvement even in directions where humanity has never gone before. And, and the reality is many of us are resistant to the redemptive calling, right? Life, we tell ourselves, is way too hard. It's, life is hard enough as it is, right? Caring for children and for spouse and for parents and, and for our health and for our homes and for our finances and for our careers. That, that, that a, a, a no, that's all enough without having also to worry about other people, about our community full of people we don't even really know. We are are inherently resistant to the redemptive calling. We are resistant to redemption, and yet the God of creation, the God of the first commandment, the God who brought Israel out of Egypt in captivity and says, I am the Lord your God, who offers the catalyst of redemption that turned the world on its head in Jesus. This God keeps calling you. This God keeps calling me, keeps recreating you, keeps recreating me, and calls it good. Keeps judging you, keeps judging me, judging us, and calling us good. This God sends us out to never just settle for what is, but pray and toil for what ought to be. I offer this to you in the name of God the Father, in the name of Christ his Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? God and Jesus, we, we tell this story of the greatest story in the Hebrew Bible of redemption. We tell this story today, we listen into this story today, and we we seek to learn you, God, who is this God of the first commandment. And we do all of this mindful of of the real redemption story. God, that you longed from from the get-go. You longed for us to emulate our lives after you, the Redeemer, you you longed for us to become little redeemers and so you kept calling you called you called kings you called judges you called prophets until in the fullness of time you called Jesus you came as human and divine in Jesus the redeemer for ultimate redemption because we we over and over and over again we left our calling we we we, we could not live up to the calling of being little redeemers in your world. And so Jesus came for us to teach us what it, what it looks like, God, to be redeemers. And we look at our world, God, and there is so much, so much, God, that, that we can just will to change. We can we can create and we can do. We can will it to change. And there is so much we can judge, God. There is so much we can point the finger at and say, that is not as it ought to be. But you call us, God, to be creators and, and judgers together as redeemers working in your world. This is what it looks like to create a just society. This is what it looks like to create a good community. This is what it looks like, God to follow Jesus. We lift up to you today every place in our world, every heartache in our world, every person in our lives, God, who have been just creating and creating, willing for their life to change, but not evaluating if the choices they are making are of you, God, and constantly find themselves falling falling back into the same patterns over and over and over again. And we lift you, God, the people who find fulfillment in judgment alone, pointing fingers at all the world without working to change it for good. God, make us neither of those things, but make us redeemers for the sake of your gospel, God, for the sake of the salvation of the world, We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. amen. I invite you to respond to God today, this God who doesn't just create in your life and doesn't just deem you worthy of this calling, calls you good, but the God who also calls you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Would you respond today by by giving your gifts as as one outward invisible visible sign of responding to this God who invites you into something bigger.